Your plans? Today it's dinner with the parents at your spot. We gotta come back here. Now, their spot. Or you're on the edge of your seat at the game. Come on, just one time. And it's the one. <gasps> or maybe you're catching the next flight to... Now boarding flight 1850. Oh, that's you. The choice is yours. And when you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it. When you think about something that brings out the best in us, it usually involves helping someone else. By donating plasma at a Griffel Center, you can help save millions of lives and show your good side to the world. You'll join thousands of people who donate safely each week, so patients get the plasma-derived medicines they rely on. And you'll be rewarded up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com. Hey, everyone. Hope everyone is having a really awesome day. I'm always excited to get on here and do the podcast. Just so much um, goodness around and people who are doing amazing things out in the world. And uh, that is no different today than our guest, Nelson Toriano, who uh, we get to have a nice discussion about his book, For the Fit But Poor Personal Trainer, and learn a little bit more into the insight about how we came up with the book. And really, uh, it's a good discussion about the personal training business, the health and wellness business in general. So if you're listening to this and you're in the business, uh, it's definitely a must listen. Uh, but also, I just love learning about people in general, their pathways, and how they got to where they are. So um, we're going to be jumping into the conversation with Nelson. Again, if you are enjoying this podcast, please subscribe on Apple iTunes and write a brief review if you would like. Good or bad, I take it all. I, I'd love the feedback and enjoy to learn about what the audience thinks about the show. So without further ado, please welcome Nelson Toriano. Hello, Dr. Darren. Nelson. Yes. Hi. How are you doing? I'm good. And yourself? Doing well. Thank you. Oh, man. Thanks for taking with me today. I really appreciate yeah, it's it. No problem. Thank you for your time. I'm excited about the opportunity to speak with you. Yeah, well, one, thanks also. This is a thank you fest right now. Yeah. <laughs> going on. You reached out to me on LinkedIn yes. and about, you know, your book, which I want to get into. And I read it. I read the entire thing and, you know, wrote a review. I was happy to do it. Thank you. Um, one, I want to get a little bit of uh, no problem. Some background uh, for you in terms of being in the fitness exercise business. Um, what were your motivations for getting into it? Yeah. Um, well, I graduated um, from University of San Francisco back in 2003, and I actually had no background in kinesiology or physiology or nothing. Um, I okay. actually uh, wanted to go into journalism. So at the time, I was living with my parents, and I was uh, working at San Francisco Chronicle. Um, but specifically, I have a journalism and business background, so I was working in their advertising department back in the day. Okay. Um, I crossed paths with uh, an old friend from high school, and at the time, she was teaching kickboxing classes. And I was like, you know, mm -hmm. I should get a gym membership. And, you know, I I'm not in college anymore. I don't get the access to the yeah. gym, so I need to join a gym anyway. And I started taking her classes, and I just fell in love with um, the group fitness feel. 
um, one thing led to another and she started mentoring me. And then I got my cert- certification in group fitness and started getting my own classes. So that ended up being more of a hobby. Eventually it turned into a side hustle. I started uh, getting more classes and teaching on the weekends. Um, but still that was not my primary focus. It was just more of a passion. Um, in my professional career, I started developing myself into uh, search engine optimization. So my career led me into advertising and marketing, but more technology as the uh, as the landscape yeah. started evolving. Um, and then after about ten, almost eleven years within the corporate fitness or corporate world, I should say there was um, a part of me that was yearning for something else. You know, I, deep down inside, emotionally, I, I started feeling a little empty. Um, the workplace that I was at was busy, like any other technology company, but there was this um, emptiness that I felt that professionally wise, I was not self-actualized. And I really, really, right. really always loved working out, you know. Um, luckily, with all the teaching and, and the network that I had, I, I had the opportunity to switch my career focus and focus fitness full-time and um, business and corporate uh, marketing part-time. So I started doing that. Um, that happened about six years ago. So, um, so I'm full-time in fitness uh, for that long. Right now, I'm working in corporate fitness. So a lot of the places that uh, I w- operate out of are within the fitness centers located on corporate companies. And I'm based in Silicon Valley. So it's very common for a lot of these technology companies to have fitness centers on site for their employees. Yeah. I'm there. So, so what did you realize when you first started doing or getting into the business that kind of put the book in motion for you money oh man. <laughs> of course, money. <laughs> yeah well yeah. you're in san francisco too it's expensive oh my god there, right? it is exorbitantly high it is just unreal i mean a studio anywhere actually well, once i think a single bedroom apartment is about four thousand dollars in silicon valley or something That's crazy. it is nuts and I remember in our area, we attract a lot of people from around the world. So when people are relocating over here, they don't think these numbers for rent is real numbers. They don't see that. They're like, this, is, this has got to be a joke. I'm like, no, that is real. This is the cost of living to live in this uh, part of the world. Um, so I remember interviewing for one of the fitness center manager jobs and she had to lean into me and she's like, you know that you're taking a pay cut leaving the tech world. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Uh, Luckily, I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I have my finances in yeah. order or anything. Um, right. But it was, it, was, it was the money. And the more that I, I started progressing and getting to know more personal trainers and see, you know, the, the uh, disparity of income and the disparity of education. A lot of the personal trainers do not have that business background and don't come from a finance or accounting background. So they don't have a lot of awareness. Um, people who do have wealth and people who don't, don't have wealth. Um, so the, the differences couldn't be any more apparent as I progressed. Right, right. You know, I've been in the business for, gosh, almost 20 years now. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I noticed that so many of my colleagues, they end up dropping out of the business pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And it's staggering the statistics about it. You know, they end up getting into like insurance or real Mm -hmm. estate, whatever variety of careers, you know, they want stability. And, you know, they're just hustling nonstop day yeah. and night and just get really burned out. about yeah. it. So um, so the so tell me about kind of like forming the book. The, the money was the idea. Mm-hmm. 
how did what was what was the next step in terms of the formation of it that or the idea? Um, first, just brainstorming everything that I learned uh, from, and I, oh, actually, right about two to three years after I graduated, um, finished my bachelor's, um, I, I I pursued my MBA, and that was another three years. So I actually come from a graduate business degree. So I started um, right. storyboarding and putting all these ideas down because I, I intentionally wanted to write a book kind of had a rough idea that I wanted to gear it toward personal trainers. Then I picked up Robert Kiyosaki, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and that led me into the cash flow quadrant. Yeah. Um, that book gave me the framework to discern, okay, these are the four different roles that I can easily explain to a personal trainer. And that is very common in the personal training world. You can be an employee, you can be self-employed. Um, and the two nuances that are a little different that I want to expand a personal trainer's mindset to see is you can be a business owner, that's gonna be the owner of a gym, for example, or a mm -hmm. social media influencer, you actually own something, but your work is done through a team. And then there's the investor. And this is, that's the, that's a different um, entity that I want personal trainers to see, and I want everyone to see actually, when you're employed by somebody, there's someone at the top. And even then, that person has to report to someone else. There's actual money going right. into the company. There's investors. There was such things as an IPO. But a lot of these people who are actually funding your employer um, aren't necessarily from the fitness background. And so the more I started talking about that, the whole book started coming into fruition. And then, oh, this person needs to know this detail. And everything just started, or started organizing itself, I should say. So what was the most challenging part about putting the book together? Um, making certain concepts, certain business concepts relevant to the personal trainer to the point I don't lose them. <laughs> okay. Knowing that yeah. I'm talking to a specific audience. So it's easy, relatively easy for me to go back and forth between the two audiences. Um, one in the business world, you have to know numbers. You have to speak numbers. You have to speak accounting and finance and think of um, economics. And sure. At times, it can be really, really, really dry. Oftentimes, we're not even moving. We're looking at PowerPoint presentations or Excel spreadsheets. Um, I have the stamina for that. Now, in the personal training world and fitness world, you're more hands-on, different type of learning. You have to be in front of people. You're constantly talking and you're constantly touching. You're in an environment where there's a lot of activity. Right. So sitting that person down and explaining numbers is kind of a... I, I, I got some looks. <laughs> I got some, some looks. I got yeah. some courtesy. Um, like it's, it, it's great that you know that, but it doesn't seem like it's applicable for me. So trying to take the most important business concepts right. and drawing it as an analogy, I say this is, you know, when you're taking a look at a financial statement, it's like looking at a report card for your client. You're looking at the health of something. And here's are the indicators and this is what it means. Um, so trying to translate it between the two different languages, there's, there's fitness and there's business. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, what has been the response by, by trainers? Or I imagine you've probably sent it to several trainers mm -hmm. and you know, reviews and people purchase. Like, what's been the response, good or bad, so far from people? Um, so far, I haven't heard any bad things. <laughs> I'll start out with mm -hmm. that. I, 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 get, I, get, I get a lot of courtesy. I was like, you know, this is, this is interesting. And like, it's more people don't know how to relate to it. Um, the positive is... In what way? What do you mean like they don't know how to relate to it? They're really turned off by finance. They're really turned off by accounting. And I think it is the fear. And I think it is the stereotype that it's, these topics are only reserved for people with business backgrounds. 
these the, the yeah, yeah these the accounting is only important if I was interested in becoming a CPA or something, but I'm not interested in running a business. I just want to be a good personal trainer, but they don't see that mindset is limiting to themselves only being as an employee and working for someone being a great personal trainer, which is good. But I did meet some personal trainers who also kind of contradicted themselves and say, you know, I want to open my own gym or I want to be an online coach or I want to do all of this. I'm like, well, that's a, that, that's a business. (laughs) that's a business that is a business so we might want to start practicing the language of business and start expanding your vernacular um of the positive of the positive reviews and i've got a lot more of that um even some people i don't even know they forwarded the book along um they said that they wish they had this when they first began because i do go into detail of you know taxes how to add value. If your career path mm-hmm. really speaks to you as an employee, here's how to add value and get the most out of your paycheck. Um, but if you deep down inside emotionally feel like you want to pursue something bigger, um, here's a platform. Here, let me introduce you to what a business plan is. It's a template. You can literally do it on your own. Um, I've gotten a lot of positive feedback saying that they, they, they didn't even know how economics worked in their capacity. Yeah. Um, so like, oh, this is what this is what FICA means on my paycheck. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's social security <laughs> or um, yep. like mm-hmm. no one really sat me down and explained to me what a pres- personal net worth statement was. All I know is I have to do it. I just don't know what it is. I'm like, let me explain it to you. Yeah. So sit you down. So um, more positive than negative, I should say. <laughs> what's interesting is, you know, for my own personal perspective, reading the book was it was very familiar to me. Mm-hmm actually reading everything. Um, One is I've been in the business a long time, but two, because I had a lot of training in the business, the financial literacy of running businesses, because I had done, and my current business besides training is a spa, fitness, and recreation uh, consulting and management company. Mm -hmm. And so we actually do the business planning, the pro formas Mm -hmm. as one part of our business for people, their five-year plan, so understanding you know, payroll tax, administrative fees, the whole thing. And based off of different states, that's different workers, compensation, Mm -hmm. all that stuff. And I, and so for me, I was like, okay, I, this is my language. I understand this language, but I, I talked to so many people who like, that is a foreign language. And it's weird when people say, I want to open a gym and they think their passion for opening a gym is what's going to make it successful. And you're going to, people are going to be so excited about this idea. Yeah. But then they don't understand. They don't understand their overhead. They don't understand the labor costs and mm-hmm. things of that nature. And and then it's like, well, I'm losing money. I'm like, well, you didn't have a plan. You just yeah. wanted to open a gym. Yeah, you exactly, know? exactly. Uh, when I was talking to uh, a couple of personal trainers who are in that um, in that state in their careers where they they do want to expand and they do want to do something on their own. Um, I did notice just in the industry alone that a lot of the education will focus on training the personal trainers to be a great trainer, rightfully so, a lot right. of the connect, all of the physiology, anatomy, and all of that. Um, and then the education will go into sales and marketing and how to obtain more clients, which is also really wonderful. Um, but then it kind of stops beyond that. And if you want yeah. to learn about how to open up business or uh, go into specific departments of any type of company and really develop your language within that capacity, the, in, the fitness industry doesn't offer it. You have to segue into different realms. Um, 
when, when I was talking to a, a, a specific personal trainer and explaining to her, when you develop a company, a company is not just sales and marketing. There's executive management. There is logistics right. and procurement. There's legal. Uh, <laughs> don't forget that part. Of course. A big yeah. part. Yeah. Um, so uh, an entrepreneur has to wear several different hats. So it is a learning curve for a personal trainer to become a business owner, but it's it can be done. You just have to take a step back and, and, and be very strategic at what you have to study. Besides the financial literacy of, you know, understanding, you know, being, you know, self-employed employee, business owner, what do you think the other, what do you think are the biggest challenges for trainers moving forward in the business and find, you know, what, what do you see? I mean, you wrote the book's good. And by the way, it's, it's for the fit but poor personal trainers, name of the book. And what do you see moving forward or, or areas that the business of training needs to continue to move forward and to become more successful? I think one um, is there is a stereotype when personal trainers open the business that a business is often visualized as a gym. And not mm. every personal trainer wants to open a gym. Not every personal trainer wants to open a brick and mortar. Um, Back in the day, there was no such thing as a social media influencer. Um, mm -hmm. There's nowadays there's online coaching. A lot of people have figured out that the overhead costs are significantly less if you go online. Exactly. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. And then there's other personal trainers who are wonderful at designing their own pro uh, uh, programs and marketing it, and they work and they have clients. Um, so people want to be uh, um, open up the business and in, in that capacity. Maybe they want to invent something. So. Just even taking that stereotype out, when you open a company, it doesn't reference to only the brick and mortar model. You can literally be anything and do anything because you have a, your own specific voice. So encouraging that personal trainer to um, pursue whatever vision they have for their own personal career, um, you know, let's do it. I'll just teach you the basics or the fundamentals, um, but you design it yourself, I think. Now, what do you think in this new age with you know, social media influencers and business that way, what are the, maybe the positives and what are the pitfalls of a trainer getting into that version of the business? With social media influence, I have noticed that it's their own personal brand. Um, and a lot of celebrities do it. And it, it's, a, it's a business model that works. Um, the personal trainer who wants to become their own personal brand has to also think, 10 years from mine, 20 years, going into retirement. Yes. Um, there's a longevity, there's a short shelf life for being your own personal brand. If that is your face and that is <laughs> what people remember. That's very you. interesting. So that yeah. is very interesting. I don't think anybody thinks about it. Yeah. That way. They think they don't think about, Hey, well, is this sustainable for me over like 20 exactly. years? Doing that? Exactly. And as much as our bodies and, and our presence and our knowledge base evolves, so will our customers. So will that current market. So right now, whatever is trending right now, it's not going to be trending in 10 years. And there's going to be a yeah. different mindset of consumers and they're going to have a different mindset. So according to the product life cycle, if you, you are, are your own product, you know, there's going to be a point of diminishing returns in, in, in how marketable you really are. So maybe you should be proactive and start looking at longevity. Maybe you should be you know, licensing products. Maybe you should turn your lifestyle mm -hmm. blog and uh, turn it into, I don't know, into books or multimedia yeah. or developing a team. So branching out into other services and marketing um, uh, capacities to take your brand, but 
be prepared. You need, you'll need to evolve to make it long and last about 20, 30 years of into retirement. Well, so I want you to talk a little bit more about that. I love that in the book about the, basically the product life cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, just explain that a little bit more for, you know, people who are going to be listening. Cause I think it's a pretty, I thought it was very well presented. And I also thought that it's something that a lot of people don't think about the fact that, Hey, it may be hot right now, but how do you continue to make it relevant as you know, things move on and especially in fitness, things change dramatically oh, yeah. very quickly. I mean, it's like, it's extremely, it turns on itself very mm-hmm. quickly in fitness. So explain that a little bit more. So you can take the product life cycle to any trend, uh, um, any service. There's always going to be an introduction to the market. And um, the amount of time spent at each stage is always indeterminate. It's, it's always going to be fluctuating, but usually there's four. There's an introduction phase. Um, there's a growth phase where it starts gaining a lot of popularity, saturation in the market, and people just love it and technically referrals and you just see a whole um, influx of interest. Then there's going to be a peak where the amount of interest is totally saturated. There cannot be any more people who are interested in that product or service. And then there's going to be a point of diminishing returns and there's going to be a decline. There's going to be a lack of interest. Um, Trends, pick any trends. That's usually how it goes. It'll go up and then it'll go down. And in terms of uh, if, if the trend or the product is, is an actual business, um, for example, and I'm, I hope I don't offend anybody, any of the listeners, but <laughs> let's say, yeah. let's take Zumba, for example, back in the day, okay. Zumba was introduced to the market and then they saw an explosion. Zumba was everywhere in commercial gyms and it was just nonstop and the classes got super, super crowded. But as time went on and the people who attended the classes got older and even the instructors got older and it's been around in the market for a while, it reached its saturation point. You know, it's not as popular as it was before. So when that trend started, for lack of better words, start losing its momentum, um, it has to evolve in order to make it sustainable and relevant to the current market. So this is where it came out to Zumba Gold or Zumba with Weights or Zumba mm-hmm. Step started branching out and started trying to prolong the inevitable demise of it. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it, I have to put it out there because all good things do, oh, do come to an end. It does. And I've seen, we've seen it in the Thighmaster and Taibo. And even though we laugh about it now, it was a legit fitness trend. And there was a peak yeah. and then it disappeared. And so whatever is trending right now, you know, I'm turning 38. If I'm 48, whatever's popular now is not going to necessarily be popular it will in not 10 be. years. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's interesting. You can kind of, I always, you know, you know that whole term kind of like jump the shark. Mm-hmm. The whole thing. I feel like fitness does that all the time. And since that or exercises, you know, let's take like you said, Zumba, for example, as I remember that explosion, it was crazy. Mm-hmm. And, but then you think, I always think the jump the shark moment is when a company starts trying to become something it's not. Yeah. You know, when you start adding weights with Zumba and doing all this other stuff, it's like, mm, it probably wasn't intended to be yeah. that at that point. Yeah. Um, but then it just kind of turned into that whole system mm-hmm. there. And it's like, I always wonder, like, is it's good to try to morph into different things, but what happens when that morphing becomes, goes away from what you actually are as a business. Yeah. You know? And then you start losing what your in, original intention was 
Um, so right. important when you develop your business plan to figure out what your mission statement is <laughs> and figure out your own purpose. Yes. Because <laughs> it keeps you in line and keeps the parameters consistent with the market. Um, if you are your own personal brand, you yourself, your business, you have to have a mission statement. People have to associate your face yeah. with a particular intention or purpose in the market. But if you start evolving and going into and started segueing into things, you know, are totally random, it can be construed as, okay, you're just trying to hang on in there. <laughs> it's you're trying to hang on. It's appreciated, yeah. but um, you're deviating away from what you originally intended. And I think that's always been something for me. It's just like, and I've talked to so many people about this, like, what's been, what was your original thing? What are you giving a lot of effort to that you just love? and you can produce regularly and it's good to obviously move with the times and try to say hey how do i evolve what i'm doing but i think if it's like too far outside of what you're doing mm -hmm. it just it's kind of like maybe this isn't a great example but like like i i've had some like samsung tvs and they've been pretty good tvs mm -hmm. but i try to get a refrigerator and it was terrible yeah. <laughs> And then I've had a lot of people say Samsung refrigerators are horrible. Mm -hmm. Like, why don't they just stick to making TVs and stuff? Yeah, like that? yeah. <laughs> it's like, or some company wants to become the next Apple. They're like, I want to do a phone. Mm -hmm. Let's do a phone. It's like, okay, well, are you similar to that? Or, you know, electric cars, companies mm -hmm. trying to get into the electric car game and they're not Tesla, mm -hmm. you know, or they're trying to become Tesla. It's like, okay, where do you fit in? Yeah. And it's okay if you're not Tesla. Yeah. If you're not Apple, yeah. well, you got to be what, where, where are you going with yeah. this, you know, type of thing. And I think sometimes it's, it becomes too much of a, okay, now we're TRX. We do this. Now let's get into a different version of TRX. Yeah. Now we're going to make this and that, you know what I mean? It's like, okay, once enough is yeah. enough. You know? <laughs> I'm from uh, one of the formats that I teach is yoga. So I have my, I have my 200 hours. Um, I love it. It's great. And it's uh, over time, I've seen the random interpretations of yoga. <laughs> That's a nice yeah. thing putting it. The random interpretations. Yeah, like the goats and beer and Seriously, rage. what is that? What's the goat yoga? I, what is I that? don't know. And some people interpret it that way. And, it, you know, you do you. Okay. <laughs> but, That's not going to last yeah. though. Go yoga. I mean, come yeah. On. <laughs> Some trends like, okay, you, you know, your, your, your shelf life is very short. <laughs> but, yeah. Um. Yeah. <laughs> It's just weird, like, oh, it's like laughing yoga, goat yoga. Yeah. You know, I seen what weird I stuff. seen one that was like rage yoga, which is kind of an oxymoron, but isn't that the opposite of like what you're yeah. supposed to be? Yeah. <laughs> so in, in 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 the fitness world you see all these random trends and everyone wants the spotlight for that hot second, but no. Okay. <laughs> the hot second. <laughs> it's definitely the hot second. But I think what's interesting as you start getting into the the kind of the online formats as you see like the rise of you know peloton and mm -hmm. i see commercials for mirror and stuff like that what are the implications for that business wise for trainers you think one know it <laughs> one know that it is available um mm -hmm. you have to be able to speak upon it very well and um there's gonna be this this might what I'm about to say is uh, might go over some people's heads, but they are your competition also. It's yeah. a, 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 the latest trend in the market is um, 
And what personal trainers need to, to also see is that personal training as a, as a cost to the consumer is discretionary. A lot of people don't need mm-hmm. it. Uh, a lot of people want it. They would like to have it. Um, but if cost is super important to that customer, or even they're not even a customer yet to that person, a competitive advantage to Peloton and a lot of these online services is that they're convenient. They're at their home. Yep. They're delivered. They uh, could get their workout in 30 minutes to 60 minutes, and they could still do things like work from home or take care of their kids or do errands. Um, so that is an objection that a lot of personal trainers have to overcome is answering to the convenience of these new markets. Um, yeah. they, are, they are your competitors. They are competitors. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is also my business. I have live on a live online personal training service mm-hmm. and I train people from all over the planet using that live format mm-hmm. and develop my own business from it. And it is it has created tremendous freedom for me because I'm at home mm-hmm. all the time or I'm at the beach and I my lifestyle is I control my lifestyle. Mm-hmm. A gym doesn't control my mm-hmm. lifestyle. I'm not beholden to that. And so you're right. It is it is competition. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not sure it's built for everybody to get in that space, right. in my opinion. Yeah. I think that's another thing for trainers, understanding what aspect of the business works for you. Like people want to open gyms. They shouldn't be gym owners. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. And so. I think also the personal trainer needs, needs to do a lot of homework on him or herself also and design a career that really speaks to them. And that's, I, in my opinion, that's the only way that personal trainer is going to be successful is one, understand your calling to develop a plan in order to make that calling happen and self-actualize. And it may, it may not include online coaching. It may really be opening a brick and mortar. It may be inventing something. Right. So every personal trainer is going to be different. Um, it's, it's, it's understanding strategically how to uh, execute upon your own career plan. So what do you think, you know, for you, you have this book. Are you planning on, are you planning on doing follow-up books? Because I know in this book, there's really not an emphasis on like selling mm-hmm. training. You know, you make it very clear. This is not about selling the the service. Is that maybe the next foray or what do you see next for you with uh, potential more books or whatever you're working on in relation to that? Funny you asking that because I have a lot of stuff I'm working on. (laughs) Okay, man. Well, first, um, I'm networking with uh, several professors and um, several uh, education companies for personal trainers and, and doing guest speaking. Um, taking that, taking from wherever they last left off in uh, sales and marketing and business development and giving them more um, light into the accounting and financing and the everyday workings of it. So I'm working on guest speaking. Uh, uh, right now, I have a couple talks scheduled for universities. My target market is going to be undergraduates or graduates just starting off in the industry. Um, right. So if I can get them early and get them to see this is how to design a career, great, that's, that's my market. Um, I do plan on releasing another book that follows up and goes more into detail about uh, the personal income statement, uh, going into detail mm-hmm. about setting yourself up in terms of assets. So that kind of gives segues away from personal training a little bit, um, but making the concepts comprehensible. <laughs> this is okay. how real estate and paper assets work, and this is how investments work, and this is how you can actually set yourself up well financially in the case of your personal training career, goes sideways. You know, you may need to right. relocate. Some life event may happen um, that may compromise your ability to actually train someone, thus 
you're, I want to make sure that you're safeguarded from a decrease of income. That's my second book. And I plan on like within the next year or two. Um, on my website right now, I'm in the process of finishing up an exam and getting that uh, um, approved for continuation uh, education units. Um, mm -hmm. So that's in the works. That's an online exam. Another educational product I'm launching is a webinar. And then the third one is actual guest speaking, and that should be approved for continuation education units as well. And you're just moving and shaking, aren't yeah, you? Yeah. You're, it, you're it, just it, doing stuff. It's, a, it's an educational cause I, I certainly believe in. I think it makes a difference um, for the industry. I think it is what, it's, it's what is lacking. Um, and I've been networking with a couple of people who, who agree, and I would love to partner with other people who are specializing in their area. You know, mm -hmm. uh, there's tons of people who are wonderful and very resourceful in sales and marketing. It would only make sense if we partnered up together in order to provide a holistic, comprehensive educational plan for trainers. So I wanted to ask you, too. I mean, that's great. That's fantastic. I and mean, you have a pathway. You definitely know where you want to go, which I think is wonderful. But, you know, a lot of trainers don't. They are just, you know, grinding, hitting the pavement constantly and mm -hmm. just kind of get burnt out. But where do you see the industry going? We talked about 10 years from now, it's the trend's not going to be different. If you could look in that crystal ball and say, here's what I see coming next, potentially for fitness, uh, you know, for personal training in the next 10 years, what do you think that would be? Um, man, uh, you know, a couple, a couple predictions. When I look at Planet Fitness's business model, they're one of the few, they're one of the few that are actually publicly traded. So I can take, um, I have, we all have easy access to the financial statements, answering to mm -hmm. the, answering to the people who are not being responsive to, um, the whole gym culture, the stereotype of the gym culture, I should reference that the grunting and the yelling and, and, and the super high energy. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe that will be a growing trend also. <laughs> I, I think Planet Fitness mm -hmm. is right now they're killing it. Uh, and people can, yes, people can say whatever they want about their, their low membership costs. Um, but they really did fine tune their niche market, which is people who just want to go in for their one hour workout and leave. Um, yep. Uh, I do also believe there's going to be an increase in boutique um, that are very specialized in CrossFit yoga uh, and offering a specific service. Um, so less of a general fitness. Um, Increase in um, online services also. I believe that's going to be a far more sophisticated synchronization with technology where uh, it's going to be one-on-one. -on -one. There's going to be a marriage between online coaching and one-on-one -on -one interaction virtually and actually having the equipment at home like Peloton. Um, right. I think my fourth prediction is there's going to be a rise in um, prescription-based exercise and a lot of backing from the physicians. Um, so medical exercise mm. as well. The way that our baby boomers are um, aging and then and I'm millennial right between generation X and millennial. So I want to be specific yeah. for some people. Our bodies aren't change are, are changing as well. So we're in the process of aging as well. I think there's going to be a larger backing from the medical community and quantifying that um, where I think there's going to be a segue into getting exercise actually covered by insurance. So you think I so? Think so. Um, right now, mm -hmm. in physical therapy, can be covered, right? Um, but it's it's only a matter of time that we see the actual benefits of exercise as preventative care, um, and right. actually get 
backing for that. Right now, uh, so many so many organizations say it's it's good. It, it's recommended that you get exercise, but you're gonna have to do it on your own. You're gonna have to go get a gym membership on your own. Um, right. With the rise of ailments of obesity and and things that plague our country, there has to be more of an active initiative from the higher up. I would think so. Mm-hmm. I would. Yeah, you know, I've had this discussion with a lot of people over time, and I think even with the covered by insurance discussion, I often think though too, it's also, you're also asking people to do something that's very counterintuitive to them. Mm-hmm. Exercise is not exactly exciting for a lot of people in the sense of really doing it and to cause a stimulus that will actually change their body yeah. for it. You know, there's this, I don't know, I mean, it's just, I just throw it up in the air with it for a lot of people and say, you know, it's good to have discussion, but, you know, there's, there's this whole thing of like, well, let's just make it fun, make it as fun as possible for people really enjoy it. But then I struggle with the science behind it, mm-hmm. having a lot of education in that, well, do these fun things provide enough of a stimulus to cause significant chronic changes mm-hmm. in a person mm-hmm. that they want? Mm-hmm. So there's kind of the element of like, we're not trying to bash Zumba here. This is not the thing, but I'm going to come back to it. <laughs> okay. The problem with a lot of, I would say, your general exercise programs is that they don't promote overload yeah. at all. It's just the same routine over and over again. While it may be fun to do Zumba a couple times a week, three times a week, mm-hmm. what's the actual physiological overload right. at some point? At some point, it's just activity yeah. that you're doing. Yeah. And so I think that as human beings, we struggle with exercise in a sense. Well, I want to make it fun, but I also want to make these dramatic changes to my body. Mm-hmm. Well, that doesn't occur without being uncomfortable and having some increase in the variables related to that mm-hmm. on some level, mm-hmm. you know, with that. So I think even even if it's covered, I, I push back on some level thinking, well, people people are still people. Mm-hmm. And and they'll still sometimes find excuses to not show up, even if they don't have to pay for it. Yeah. Type of yeah. Thing. That's the unfortunate because it, it's, it's not true. like if you paid people to eat, right, they would just eat. Mm-hmm. They would because it's like part. They love it. It's fun. It's enjoyable. It's so it's communal. Yeah. Sometimes people like with exercise, even if you make it free or it's kind of like, oh, I don't really want to do this today. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know, I think it's a step in the right direction, but it's like. Then I think it becomes a behavioral issue. How do we attack it psychologically with people uh, with that? So I think it's a multi-layered step. I, I like where it's going, mm-hmm. but I also think sometimes people don't go to free dances. Sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes the cost of things is what makes people sometimes move to do things. Mm-hmm. Say, I'm paying for this. I want to make sure I get value mm-hmm. out of it. Mm-hmm. So I think there's, I don't know, it's just, a, it's, it's a very layered so, Yeah, very, I and mean, we could go on and on. And I mean, <laughs> super layered. Kind of, I, I mean, I, I'm yeah. not saying that I'm right or you're no. whatever. I'm just saying that it's, there's just so many discussions. There's so many, and there's so many people involved, and there's so many different um, uh, mindsets that we have to respond to. I know for me, it would, along that lines, to add on to that, um, making making even the basic exercise is fun like it's great that it's great that people are dancing and moving and that answers to increased activity but we all know that you know there's nothing can replace a proper squat you know how about you know an overhead putting your hands overhead and seeing if your lats are too tight you know there's going to be certain assessments so making even things like assessments 
fun and entertaining. <laughs> right. And well, yeah, no, for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah. assessments can last for a long time and they can be super yes. boring and thus deterring. Um, yes. But, you know, you, you, I, I, have to, I have to be able to check your knees. <laughs> That's, it's yeah. a thing. I have to see if you stand on it's one leg. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. It's just exercise is one of those things as it's become more mainstream. Mm-hmm. But then you have the opposite thing where you have like too much overload with activities that it's too hardcore. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, People yeah. are getting injured. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. So then you have like this lack of overload. Then you have too much overload. Yeah. And then and you have studies being put out by different companies, whether they're well done or not, that people are intimidated by gyms. Yeah. They're scared. Yeah. Oh, they're scared Fitness. to go to gyms. And that was their market. Right? Yeah. That was their so whole thing, you're right. right? There's a, there a whole other pendulum swing where, to the other extreme where people are, are taking the, the, the whole workout a little too seriously and Right. Just calm down for a second. <laughs> yeah. Right. Everybody's an athlete. Well, the thing is, everybody's not an athlete. Mm-hmm. And not everybody wants to train like that. I might like that, but I recognize that's not for, that's not for everyone. Right. You know? So I kind of look at it as like, we're in this time. It's great that it's out there. Yeah. You know, more and more people. I mean, you go and, you know, if you go in a major city, you're going to see tons of fitness things. You're going to see Orange oh, Theory. Yeah. You're going to see uh, Spin Studio. You're going to see Soul Cycle. I mean, you're going to see a yoga studio. I mean, it's like they're taking old malls now mm-hmm. and they're filling the malls with fitness spaces mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's good. But what I haven't seen in terms of statistics, it's not making more people work out. Mm-mm. It's not increasing that number, yeah. actually. Yeah. So. Yeah. What are we doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, to make a bigger impact, to make a more meaningful impact. And it's a challenge. And I think it's been an adage also is trying to get the people we don't see, uh, getting the people yes. who are still hiding in their homes. Who's, and we don't see within those malls, within those spaces, uh, or even going to the gyms. It's, there's so many more people who are not active and how to get to them. That I, I wouldn't have an answer. It's a huge percentage. Huge. I was listening to a podcast. I think it was Freakonomics. Mm-hmm. It was crazy. And they had uh, Dr. Michael Joyner on, oh, yeah. who is awesome. You know, mm-hmm. he's an exercise physiologist and a medical doctor. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. And he mentioned, he said, listen, I think the research is wrong. The reports from his research is, we're saying 20% of people exercise he said honestly less. it's probably less than 10 it's probably less it's less he's like we're fooling ourselves thinking it's 20 it's less than 10 yeah and those 10 percent are like the fit people mm-hmm. the fit people love more fitness coming yeah. out that's what's helping people fitness people it's helping. Mm-hmm. and it's trying to reach out to people yeah again people we don't see People don't see. Yeah. And even at a plan of fitness, I've been in a couple of times. I like to I like to go to places I don't normally mm-hmm. go when I'm traveling. Say, oh, I want to check this out. And I went in one. And it was interesting. It was very, very packed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but it was so funny. The lack of energy was crazy. Yeah, it can be really quiet. <laughs> it's just quiet. Right. And then it's just like it almost feels it's going to sound weird. Mm-hmm. Just feels like a morgue to me. Yeah, it, it's odd. You have to put on your own music and be in your own world. And I think that's their yeah. stick. I think that's their thing. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. It's just like, as as somebody who has a very you know a lot of education, a scientific angle to a lot of these things, is I look at a large, a huge packed gym with people walking on eight million treadmills. Mm-hmm. 
And I think, I bet they've been walking doing the same exact thing every single time they come. You are preaching to the choir. (laughs) (laughs) I see it every day of my life. (laughs) Right? They're just people will default to what's comfortable for them. Oh, in my gyms, they love running. And sometimes I ask them, like, well, how long have you been running? For, like, decades. I'm like, why? (laughs) <laughs> do anything else and i had to tell them i have to like you're you're really athletic you're a great runner but you know one you're gonna have to take it you're gonna have to stretch first of all and two do you ever lift weights and, and, and so a lot of them get you're right a lot of them will just default to their comfort zone and so therefore their bodies never evolve their bodies never adapt right um there is no change in stimulus and so as trainers we know the importance of switching up your focus um but it's also i guess that's another thing that we have to as an industry address is how to get people out of their comfort zones <laughs> right and i'm not sure how you, I mean, I get the business model. It's a tr- tremendously successful business model, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure it's making people fitter. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, they, I think it's just maybe attracting people at a lower price point, but where's the guidance to actually get them to where they want to be? Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny. Uh, one of my colleagues, Amy Ashmore, she's uh, a professor and she was working at Florida state and she does, she's done a lot of research, kind of the history of exercise and, and in the business, she talks about how cardiovascular exercise is an ancient mechanism in human mm-hmm. beings. And that reason why we default to cardiovascular exercise, because it's an, it's an ancient mechanism for us, is that we just, as we hunt and gather, it is very cardiovascular-based activity, mm. hunting for days and days and days to find something to eat. And we, we, we just default back to that, you know, lifting things mm-hmm. and re- external resistance is not very natural for people. Mm-hmm for that so i mean it was an interesting conversation about kind of the history of hunter and gathering Mm -hmm. and things of that nature but if you go to any gym it's like a cardio city oh yeah in that place you know i usually even in a crowded day i'm like i don't have any problems getting my weights (laughs) no no people are intimidated yeah or they have wrong ideas about what it will do to their body yeah and I just, I just wonder, like when I went in that plan of fitness, I was like, man, this is like a morgue of treadmills. Mm-hmm. And I can, I guarantee if I did a survey, everybody who comes here regularly, they literally do the same exact miles per hour, yep. the same incline yep. and it's constant. Yep. And then their mind are thinking, well, I'm, I'm, I'm exercising. I'm like, mm, you're doing activity yeah. now because now there's no, there's no chronic adaptation. Exactly. So now you're just doing an activity exactly. regularly. You're not really exercising. You're just doing an activity. Right. You're moving, yeah. which is fine. But if you want to improve, something has to change. A variable has to change exactly. for exactly. that over time. You mm-hmm. know, so so it's it's hard for me to be in big gyms because I see it. I'm like, oh, it, it kills you, huh? Doesn't it? It's crazy, <laughs> man. You know, when I go in there, I'm doing all these functional movements, dynamic, progressive overload. Mm-hmm. And I look like a zebra mm-hmm. in these places. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, that's pretty obvious. That guy's doing something very different. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just like, why am I the only person doing this? Uh, <laughs> like, I manage several gyms and you're right, I see it every single day. And even of the people who do resistance, I will see the same people default to the most common exercises and anything, in, um, anything on the front. So the bench presses, the crunch, and I think give or take the leg press, Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Give or take. Yeah, but, I like it. Oh, and, and biceps. Those, yeah, biceps, those yeah. three or four. 
um, like, you know, you have a back. You know, <laughs> you have triceps. But that doesn't look good. Yeah. People, nobody's looking at your back. So, yeah. <laughs> so uh, it, it's trying to get education out to out to people <laughs> and out to personal trainers about um, some, there's, there, there's still missing pieces in the industry. Yeah. So just, yeah, I think in, in general exercise in itself is just a very counterintuitive activity. Yeah. Uh, a, a thing for people to do. It's just, you know, when it's done where there's, when you're adding a stimulus that's greater than used to, it's uncomfortable mm-hmm. and people, I get it. It's, it's counterintuitive to do things that are not pleasurable mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. It's like, why would I want to be in pain yeah. slightly or feel a discomfort? That's not something I want to feel. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, voluntarily. You I know? tease my classes all the time because I make them, I make them do stuff that they don't want to do. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I said, well, you're gonna have to work hard. You, I mean, it is an appropriate setting to be in the gym and sweating. You don't want to be sweating at your desk. So that's yeah, sure. Doing it here, and this is what you do in the gym. You're supposed to be pushing yourself. That's, a, that's why you're here. This is what you do. It is common. Yeah. You didn't come here to just hang yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're I mean gonna put in work, hopefully, right? And but what's lift funny the is though, there are gyms. There are gyms that are now becoming co-working spaces as well. Oh yeah. And I'm sure you're seeing in San Francisco where they're trying to get people in the gym to work to do their work mm-hmm. there. And then maybe they'll work out because they're working. Mm-hmm the proximity of it. So it's just these, I see this new strategy of like, okay, let's get these, let's get these guys who, you know, these tech guys or whatever, they want to work on their laptop all day. Let's just put it in the gym. (laughs) And then because they're so close to the gym, because they're literally inside the gym, they'll go work out right after that. It's not uncommon. Well, there's the walking desk. I mean, you can, it's a treadmill, it's a desk on a treadmill. Um, But if that company doesn't have it, it's not uncommon for me to see people place their laptops on the treadmill while they're walking or even going uphill. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. there's a thing. You can just walk away from your laptop. <laughs> <laughs> you can just go. How could you have intensity, though, while you're <sighs> any type of intensity while you're on your laptop? Yeah. That's, well, just put it away and go work out and then come back. <laughs> it was kind of like I used to. Um, I used to work really close with a lot of equipment companies. And one of them was Techno Gym. Oh, and I used yeah. to tell the reps, I'm like, why do you guys put screens with like you can have facebook and like check your email like that seems so counterintuitive to what you're supposed to be mm-hmm. doing on these machines mm-hmm. well technology you know people want the technology I'm like yeah but isn't it about disconnecting versus yeah like, being connected to your device yeah. like it's counterintuitive i mean we're complaining about people being glued to social media or even like or, or even glued to their phones do you know the majority of the time i will walk through a gym and I will see people on their phones and I, I will give them the benefit of doubt that they're scrolling through their playlist and trying to find a good song. But sometimes they're on no the phone for a really <laughs> long time. <laughs> Nelson, I'm, you're nice. You're being yeah. nice about it. You know? I'm guarantee you that's not happening. Yeah, like, There's no way they're scrolling through their playlist. They're checking their email. Yeah. They're looking at texts and stuff, taking phone calls. Like, yeah. Go lift the weight. Stop sitting on the bench. Do something on the bench. <laughs> you know? It's pretty bad. You it's know how really bad, bad it is? Like, I'm at, you know, I'm a member of this resort where I live up here in Washington, and it's where I work out most of the time. And it's so bad with the phones that sometimes when I go in the locker room to get changed, there are people in there literally sitting naked texting. (laughs) Naked texting is happening in locker rooms everywhere across America. 
naked texting, <laughs> just you know, the, everything's hanging out, and I'm like, listen, I didn't, I don't want to see. Yeah, this. I and, and and I must be from a different world or something. I I just put on my, I listen to audiobooks. Uh, so I put on my audiobook yeah. for an hour. I do my thing. I work out. I'm in and out real quick. I'm pretty focused, but also I don't have that uh, much yeah. time. <laughs> I need to sweat. <laughs> Which is funny though, because. Uh, you know, I think there's this big myth that you have to spend a lot of time in the oh, gym. Oh, yeah. You know, like hours and hours, and you're just getting this, you know, you're talking about the product life cycle mm-hmm. here. I mean, <laughs> you're talking about, yeah. you know, people are shocked, you know, when I tell them about my exercise. I'm like, oh, I hit it hard. I'm in the gym way less than you, I guarantee mm-hmm. you. I don't have time to be, be in the gym for two hours, three hours. I have things yeah. to do. Yeah. Like, this is not a social hour for yeah. me, you know, like it's, I need to get done what I need to get done, what my objective is for that day exactly. for my, you know, for my the intensity, the, what I'm working on, I'm working on mobility, stability. Today. Oh yeah, is exactly. As your strength, you know, it's, it's broken up into what I need to work right. on. It is not my time to be socializing and be there. I just don't get how you could be in a gym for three hours. Yeah. I don't understand that. M- move on. <laughs> move on Live your life there if you're bored yeah. that there's more better things to do to hang out in the yeah gym. i'm not a gym rat i'm not a gym rat like i'm but i also tell people too i'm like okay have you ever actually timed the amount of time you actually work mm-hmm. out while you're there it's it's not three hours i'm telling you it's not yeah it can't it's, be it's it's probably like maybe 40 minutes and you're just dicking around exactly time. you know you're, if you're if you're super focused and you're intentional about your workout you can get everything you need to do for that day in an hour or less yeah it's, and you just put and, your timer on and you just you, you're fine but you just mm-hmm. go and i think that that some people it's just the amount of rest time the intervals between actual exercises much longer than they think because mm-hmm. they don't time mm-hmm. it you know and then if you have your phone, you get stuck in the, the phone yeah. zone where you're just scrolling, 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 and then 15 minutes that, goes yeah, by. Yeah, it gets you know? worse. I see, I see people go to the gym, and they, at the end of whatever, how long that they were working out, they're not even sweating. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> how does that happen? I know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it never happens to me. But, okay. I know. I'm like whatever. pouring, yeah. like just drenched. Focus. Like, you know, and I'm focused. I'm doing what I'm doing. But it's intentional. You know, I get it. You and I have the the background we know what we're doing mm-hmm. but you know m- most of the gyms are not filled with people know what they're doing you know they're just kind of like well you know my favorite is watching people walk around and like think about it yeah like, <laughs> you know what i mean like they're like they're looking at a machine and they walk to the okay and then you kind of look at this one and then right back to the treadmill ah, yeah it's, it's, gonna just treadmill it's right just always the i'm default. like you need help you mm-hmm. need help mm-hmm. it's okay to ask for help yeah like, we're there and you know, this is my job <laughs> ask me yeah. i mean i wouldn't go i wouldn't i would be very suspect if like i saw some surgeon looking at a bunch of tools and going i'm not sure what to do with these yeah like, <laughs> which one of these opens you up i don't know let's just uh i don't know you know it's not acceptable no <laughs> like, no no <laughs> you know <laughs> you want to have some type of background some type of education but yeah, it is what it is in the fitness industry. I think it is. we cannot be the only people in the industry who have seen the same exact things. No, no, I've talked to so many people. We're all experiencing the same delusion, mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's yeah. the same hypnotic experience. We're like, I'm, I'm having visions yeah. of the same thing happening at every single gym yep. I've ever been to, it to me every day for this. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's. I think it's 
I think we're heading in the right direction. Hopefully it's becoming out more, but hopefully those numbers will change and more people will get into yes. it. It's just tapping into a gigantic nation of people. How do we reach them? And I think that's the question. How do we get people to exercise mm-hmm. regularly? And personal training has become more accessible than ever. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's an option. It is definitely an option. And when people tell me it's, oh, it's not affordable, I'm like, well, I don't know. Maybe you should have a budget and look at what you're actually spending your money mm-hmm. on. Preventative care is significantly cheaper. <laughs> it's significantly cheaper. Way easier to handle than postoperative care. <laughs> for sure. Well, Nelson, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. And uh, thanks for allowing me to review your book, The uh, Fit But Poor personal trainer and um i think it's a great book for everybody to go out and get and read up especially if you're in the training industry i think you'll enjoy this conversation uh i love talking to my colleagues and chatting up about fitness exercise wellness and and in this sense financial literacy related to it so thank you for your time i really appreciate thank it thank you thank you and have a great day all right you too oh, bye, bye. What's that place you've always wanted to try? Well, you're there. Sharing plates with... Just one bite. Or on second thought, maybe not sharing. It's that good. When you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it. Want more ways to show your good side to the world? Donate plasma at a Griffles Center and join thousands of donors who are helping to save lives. Receive up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com.